Hello and welcome to Family Renewal. I'm Israel Wayne, your host. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as we take a look at faith, family, and culture, all through the lenses of a biblical worldview. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hi, welcome to another edition of Family Renewal Podcast. I'm Israel Wayne. And I'm Brooke Wayne. In our last episode of the Family Renewal Podcast, we discussed conflict and conflict resolution. And Brooke spoke to the wives about how they could make a godly appeal to their husbands in an area where there was a disagreement or a difference of viewpoint how a wife could approach her husband relationally and conversationally in a way that was productive as opposed to destructive. And I want to elaborate on that a little bit more and discuss in more detail how a godly appeal could be made. In our book, uh, Full-Time Parenting, A Guide to Family-Based Discipleship, we have a chapter on marriage and parenting and that principle of making a godly appeal to your husband is one of the sections that we wrote about in there because we think this is really important. There is a way to go about uh, the appeal. Um, I would say for the wives, if I can jump in and say something to the wives for a minute, um, you know, this this aspect of timing is so important. Um, I remember one mom who told me that she had a conflict with her husband because she wanted to homeschool and her husband wouldn't let her. And so I asked her the question. I said, have you gone through the steps or the process of making a a godly appeal to your husband? She'd sent me this email and she said, "Um, what do you mean by that? And so uh, I, I tried briefly to outline a couple of these principles of wait for a good time Uh, Make sure that you've prepared in advance what you're going to say so it doesn't just all come flooding out. You don't, you know, interrupt or whatever. And she said, well, I don't know. Maybe I haven't done that. And then uh, five minutes later, I got an email from her and she said, well, I tried that and it didn't work. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, I called my husband at work and I tried to make a godly appeal about this and he just got angry. So I guess I tried your suggestion. It didn't (laughs) work. But thanks anyway. Uh, she just totally, totally missed the whole point. Uh, but, you know, when you think about the Esther situation, she basically set a date night. She invited him out to dinner, and it was after dinner that she made the proposal. In fact, she actually had two date nights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the first night, she didn't even bring up the uh, the appeal. But it was after dinner that she made a request. And I think one of the things that was nice about the the date night about the dinner is that he wasn't distracted. He didn't have anything else going on. And he, she had his full attention. Um, she had just, you know, they had a nice meal together. They'd had a nice evening together. And she brings this up. One thing I have suggested to some women on this issue of making a godly appeal is the aspect of possibly writing out your appeal. Mm-hmm. Because some women can't bring up their concerns or their feelings without getting emotional. Some of them start either getting angry or they'll break down and cry or they'll do something that will annoy their husbands and make their husbands angry. And sometimes I think if you write down your feelings, you write down your concerns, you're more clear, you're more concise, you have stated more accurately what it is that you actually want to say without getting off into rabbit trails and 
without bringing up, dredging up all kinds of other unrelated issues that are just emotional hurts and pains from the past. Or even like ad hominem. Yeah, You, know, you always do this and you never listen to me, that type of thing. Right. So they're putting their thoughts down on paper, which, of course, helps them even just to become more clear in their own mind what it is that they want. Uh, but I think that that sometimes is a helpful scenario, and I've suggested to women at times that they do that and that they give it to their husband and say, um, I want you to read this when you get a chance and give it some time, think it over, and then let me know what you think. You don't have to respond tonight, but when you get a chance, if you could respond and let me know uh, how you feel about this, I would appreciate that because this is really important to me. I feel very strongly about this, but you know, I, I want to make sure that um, I've given you uh, my feelings on it. And so what that does, I think, sometimes is it just removes the heat of the conversation and it gives him the ability to read it in black and white, to think about it, to mull over it. Uh, you're also not putting pressure on him in that moment to have to respond immediately. So he isn't making a response that's uh, instant and emotional or that's an emotional reaction to his feeling toward you in the moment. So I think that can be uh, that can be really good. And then to the husbands, I would say, if your wife is doing this, if she's coming to you uh, making an appeal that she feels very strongly about something, the scripture says that you are co-heirs together of the grace of life. This lady is is your partner in everything, and you have a responsibility with her to be um, to be patient and to listen. And to validate her concerns, and and you may disagree with it, and you may feel that you can't acquiesce to her her position on this. But I would suggest strongly that uh, if she's coming to you and respecting you enough to to make a godly appeal in this way, um, that as much as you possibly can, you need to try to accommodate this. You need to do what you can to make her life easier and. I can guarantee you as a husband that anything you're doing to make your wife's life easier is probably a step toward uh, improving your own quality of life as well. The area that can revolutionize how we view conflict in our marriage, I believe, is learning to see our husbands as God sees him. And by that, I mean it's so easy for us to just see all of the idiosyncrasies and the weaknesses and the shortcomings and faults of our husbands because we have a first class, first seat, Rosie, in our husband's lives. We're seeing everything about him. We see that man put his dirty socks on the floor, for goodness sakes. So we're seeing everything, and it can become almost too, um, almost overblown in our minds at times. And then there are issues that are very, very large that there just seems like, how do you ever get through this? How do you help a man who has uh, not just a, a weakness or a fault, but actual sins in his life? How do you go about those things? And I think the first thing we need to realize and need to take on is seeing our husbands as God sees him. Because God sees a man who, yes, he is weak, he has shortcomings, he has faults, he stumbles, he falls. And yet, what does God do? He loves him, of course. He loves that man. But he loves him enough that he is not willing to let him stay where he is. So by acknowledging, yes, my husband has faults and, and wanting to see him as God sees him, it doesn't mean that you go, oh, well, you know, I guess all all this stuff, the 
All this stuff will be covered over. But that God wants to bring about redemption for him. He wants to save him out of who he is and bring him into what he should be. And so as you seek to learn to apply to yourself um, in prayer to the Lord on behalf of this man, I, I want you to learn to also ask him, to, the Lord, to show you how to see your husband as he sees him, how to view him in the sense that there's, there's areas of his life that you can overlook that are not huge and not eternal, not in the big scheme of things. But then there are areas that God wants to do a work in his, your, your husband's life. And then saying, well, okay, where do I fit in? How can I help my husband to grow in godliness, to grow towards the Lord, to grow in his relationship with the Lord? And again, nagging and manipulation, tearing that man down are not going to bring about any change that you want to see. They're only going to drive a wedge between you. But if you're learning to see your husband as God sees him, you're going to let go of some things that are really all not that important. But then also being able to take on through prayer and actually maybe through uh, other ways that are going to be able to assist and make a, a healthy place for your husband to grow instead of you coercing and trying to force him into some sort of mold or shape. Well, what happens if you have a husband who is in a verifiable sinful situation and he needs to be confronted. He has a pornography addiction or he is being unfaithful. He's having affairs with other women or, you know, there's something that he's doing. He has uh, an alcoholism issue and he's, he's draining the family finances because he's so financially irresponsible. Um, what do you do then as a woman? I think the first thing you need to do is to spend some time in prayer. Ask the Lord to bring about some change in your family's life, to, in this husband's life in particular. For instance, if let's start with a big one. What if the husband is sexually abusing the children? That needs to come to a stop right then and there. There's no real room for asking for him to repent or trying to bring about a long, drawn-out uh, redemptive plan, this is going to have to stop right away. It's not the time for a godly appeal. That is not a time for a godly appeal or inviting him out for a date night. That's a time when the authorities, uh, legal authorities need to be involved and that needs to be stopped for your children's sake. This needs to be stopped in a double-fold way. They need to ha be safe. They need to be protected. Their bodies need protection. And if your husband is not, um, not only not providing protection for them, but being the one to abuse them, that needs to stop. But also your children need to realize that this is wrong. And what happens is daddy goes to jail and that will put a huge, huge uh, stamp on their lives that they will not want to follow in those footsteps. Take it down a notch. And um, what if your husband's involved in pornography? You have a huge issue on your hand. You've got a man who is not being faithful to you in that sense. There needs to be a three-step process that allows and calls for repentance. Uh, this might be a Matthew 18 type of scenario where you go first to your husband and say, you know, I have found this, or I am aware of this, and I'm calling you out on this. This is wrong, and this is what the Scripture has to say. You have done wrong. You have uh, violated me as your wife in this area, and I, this will not. I cannot allow this to continue. Then you can give him a turn and a time for repentance. 
a time where he will change his ways. But yet again, if he does not listen to you, you have a recourse. You can go before the elder board in your church or taking two or three with you who are also aware. And and parents might be good. not your girlfriends. Not your girlfriends, but maybe his buddies or maybe um, men he looks up to in his life. Um, or clo- couples you're close with, perhaps even a brother, uh, a natural born brother, and be able to go and say with those two or three, this is what's going on in our life. Come with me. I need to confront him. And, and then bringing that confrontation to him, not in a public way yet, but making it small and, and, uh, to the point and saying, this has to stop. This cannot continue. And yet, if that man does not listen and continues in this sin, then there's the opportunity or the time to bring it before the whole church and to say, this is what this man is involved in. This is what is happening in our home. And in that way, a wife does not cover sin. She does not allow sin to reside under the bed, so to speak, with the dust bunnies. But she's bringing it out to the light, calling him out on it. But she does it in a way that promotes redemption, that promotes repentance in his life. Yeah, because the redemptive aspect of this is so important. You're not doing this to punish him. Uh, You're doing this for his good because you love him and because this is necessary for your marriage. So it may not be something that's that drastic. It could just be uh, something that's um, an annoyance. You know, it may be that he just leaves the toilet seat up and leaves the socks on the floor. Those things obviously fall into the godly appeal category where you need to talk to him about it, but you need to do it in the right timing and in the right way, the right attitude and so forth. But there's other times where uh, it's a sin issue and it's going to have to be uh, addressed. And I, I think Brooke's point about Matthew 18 is a really good one. For the husbands, you know, this whole issue again of dealing with uh, conflict, uh, the scripture talks about anger as being something that can have a very destructive approach. And in Ephesians 4.26, it says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. And that whole issue of not allowing conflict to go on in a multi-day process, I think, is really important. Um, Keeping short accounts is really important. Um, Not allowing this to snowball into the kind of thing that becomes a massive issue. And what I find is that usually when things aren't discussed, when they're not talked about, when there's not open communication, it just creates it, it creates a big issue where there doesn't need to be one. I was just at a bridal shower the other day, and one of the pieces of advice that one of the older women gave was to, if there's ever a time where you have three days without being able to resolve a conflict, that's when you need to realize, okay, now we need to get some outside help, some outside counsel. And I thought, wow, you know, three days, it's a very short amount of time. And yet that's necessary because if conflict is allowed to just kind of fester and uh, allowed to breed and um, grow and remain under tap, so to speak, it's going to cause division and going to cause um, uh, uh, division in your marriage. Yeah, I think sometimes uh, wives in particular, instead of talking to their husbands about it, or maybe they have talked and they just didn't get anywhere, but they allow root of bitterness to grow in their heart. And the scripture says that a root of bitterness will spring up and thereby many will be defiled. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you address, Brooke, that issue of forgiveness and just how important that is um, for both the husbands uh, and the wives, but but again, particularly for the wives? Because... We've just seen a lot of marriages who are destroyed because 
the wife's been emotionally wounded. She's been hurt mm-hmm. in some way, and mm-hmm. she won't forgive. She's just like, I can't forgive that. Mm-hmm. And can you address that? I think the issue of forgiveness is huge. I think that um, a woman who has walked out any kind of relationship is going to need to employ forgiveness, but especially with marriage. there's People can say, well, just don't have any expectations, but you, you have... Um, a covenant together that you're walking out. And if it's not suited to you on any kind of level, if it's not um, something that you have, something has gone wrong, some conflict has come in, even some pain or wounding or violation has come in, there's going to be that need to forgive. And of course it comes down to first, how, um, how can I help this person? Because if you have that goal, if you can have that goal of seeing your husband as God sees him, it's going to help a lot with, well, he did this to me. In a sense, it's kind of like, well, he's a human being. He, it, it's only natural for human beings sometimes to stumble and fall. That doesn't make it right. That doesn't mean it should happen, but it often does. And so realizing this isn't totally against you, this is something that this man has stumbled and felt um, against God. Mm-hmm. And realizing the pain, especially if it's a, a violation of the marriage bed, uh, the pain of that, I grieve for those women who are going through that. I grieve for them. And I can understand the outlash that they want to give into. I can understand the anger that goes with that. Not because I've been there, but I've, I've counseled women and hugged women through that kind of um that grieving process. And I've, I've seen how those same women can sometimes choose very painfully. So, but choose to lay aside their own emotions on that. And to say, this man is somebody God yet loves, but he wants to see repent. And I will stand and position myself in a way that helps him repent. One of the ways that comes through that is forgiving him. Forgiveness doesn't mean take him back just as he is. There are times when you have to say, nope, this far or no farther because of the violations that have happened because of unrepentance. But I would also encourage you women, if you're in that situation or if you ever are, if there is genuine repentance and it has been walked out, Forgiveness applying to actually receiving a husband back in again can be a beautiful testimony. Yeah, we just want to be really clear what we're not saying. Um, The scripture says, and we know Christians have a lot of different disagreements on the issue of, uh, of divorce, but Jesus said that marital unfaithfulness was a valid reason for divorce. So we just want to be really clear. We both believe that infidelity in marriage, sexual uh, infidelity, is a reason, uh, valid reason, biblically, for divorce. And so we're not saying that you are obligated to take somebody back who has had an affair or has been in an adulterous relationship. Um, But we do believe that biblically you have to find a way uh, to forgive and by that, we mean you have to let go of the bitterness. Mm-hmm. You have to let go of the anger because you're just going to carry that with you. And and even if you end up getting divorced, you're still going to destroy your relationship with your children. Right. Bitterness of, will destroy you. It'll destroy you. It'll destroy your health. It'll just – it's toxic. It, it will destroy uh, all your relationships. And so uh, hopefully we've been clear on what we're saying and what we're not saying. Um, but regardless of, you know, whether it's something as, you know – inane and small as your husband leaving his socks on the floor 
Um, and this is for men and women both because, right. you know, both men and women have hurts and so forth. But I think we've just seen the wives um, nurture a grudge usually a little bit uh, more intensely sometimes than the husbands do. And so that forgiveness issue is really important. Um, I would say to the husbands, um, just it is never – this should go without saying. But unfortunately, it happens, so I guess it can't go without saying. But it's never appropriate for a husband ever to physically harm his wife in any way. Um, that's just totally out of line, always and forever. There's never an acceptable uh, excuse for that. But even yelling at your wife is just completely inappropriate. It's I think it – well, this is a whole other topic, but um, I think it's really – destructive uh, for parents even to do this with their children. Um, I've, I've had long conversations with parents who disagree with me and they think that uh, yelling at their kids is a very healthy and beneficial aspect of parenting. I, I disagree with that. Um, I, I think that uh, God uh, would not allow us scripturally to do that because it's a subset of anger. And uh, when you look at the fruit of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, you see the contrast of of anger and fits of rage and all of that being exhibitions of us living in the flesh, whereas love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, those things being fruit of the Spirit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit would have us be, be peaceable and, uh, and patient. And so um, I think particularly for, again, the door swings both ways, but I think particularly for the guys um, you just need to realize that your wife is um, she she is your partner in life, and you are to treat her uh, as the weaker vessel. The scripture says now it doesn't mean that she is uh, a weak person, but I think that uh, physically, usually she's not as strong as her husband, and emotionally she needs your support. She doesn't need you tearing her down. She needs you to to build her up and support her. So. Uh, just that aspect of how you relate to her is so important that you need to learn how to respond to her in a way that's not based in anger uh, and to, to keep, uh, again, on both sides, keep short accounts. I think it's important um, on the area of conflict, again, just to be emotionally stable for the woman, not to hide emotionally. It can be so easy to just um, try to bring some emphasis to that disagreement or that unfinished conversation by distancing oneself emotionally and just being like, well, you won't listen. So I'm not really available. I'm not really a person, you know, that you can talk with on any other issue until you bend to my way. And so I would really emphasize that women need to learn not to hide emotionally. And by that, I don't mean that, okay, outlashes and outbursts and so forth are a good way at all, but that you're not, um, not holding back communication. You're not holding back the communion of your spirits together. Yes. Um, and then I think we'll just end on this, but I would say also for husbands, um, you need to be mindful that there are some, some ways in which you may um, speak to your wife and you may guise and, uh, a passive-aggressive anger towards your wife uh, in the context of humor. I, I've seen this done and probably done it myself, unfortunately, uh, where you're making a point that's a serious point, but you're uh, addressing it 
in a way that comes across as sarcasm or comes across as humor. And it can be a way for you to make a point, but then always back off later and say, oh, well, I was just kidding about that or I wasn't serious about that. And um, that can be really devastating, can be really uh, harmful emotionally for your wife. And so uh, you don't want to um, hide behind a guise of humor and use that as a weapon uh, for your wife to tear her down. Humor should be something that uh, everyone enjoys, that everybody's participating in, and that everybody uh, finds finds enjoyable and humorous. It shouldn't be used at the expense of one person, and uh, and particularly in terms of uh, public how you relate publicly. Well, either way, but I mean, I just have also seen a lot of guys who uh, look for opportunities to put their wives down in public, but they do it under the guise of humor. Uh, like I just saw a video online. Uh, of a, um, a squid, I think it was, on a boat who was squeezing through this really narrow uh, little escape hatch on uh, on the ship. And uh, basically this very large squid or octopus is trying to find his way through uh, just a couple inch section. And the guy, this guy that you don't see him, but you hear him in the background, he goes, yeah, that looks like my wife trying to fit on her wedding dress. Ha, ha, ha. And some people chuckled. Um, but there are a lot of men who do that, and they um, will put their wives down and make demeaning con- comments about their wife, uh, particularly in a public situation. It kind of lifts them up. It kind of builds them up. and makes They feel like it makes them look better in the eyes of other people by putting their wife down. But it actually doesn't. It doesn't make you look better. Uh, it makes you look like a jerk. And um, it's something that should definitely be avoided. So we've come to the close of another broadcast here. And we are really grateful that you have decided to uh, spend another uh, half hour or so with us looking at the aspect of marriage. We have a lot of great podcasts left. But we want to encourage you to visit our website, familyrenewal.org. You can also visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash familyrenewal. And uh, we're also on Twitter. I, I am. Uh, you can look at Twitter, uh, look up at Israel Wayne. Or you can also visit my personal Facebook pages. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Israel.Wayne and facebook.com forward slash Israel Wayne author. Uh, also, you can visit my blog, which is at christianworldview.net forward slash blog. I would encourage you to check out my books, uh, Homeschooling from a Biblical Worldview, Full-Time Parenting, A Guide to Family-Based Discipleship, and The Questions God Asks. Brooke, do you have anything you wanted to add to this? Well, I hope next time we'll be able to get into more aspects about communication, what healthy communication can look like in marriage. So we're really grateful that you joined us about this area, a very important area about how to deal with conflict in marriage. It's going to happen in every marriage. And so we want to just encourage each other to walk in ways that are promoting godliness, promoting, promoting God to work in our marriages. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you. God bless.